0: You guys can have a seat. Great, great stuff. Thanks, John. Thanks, the band. Good stuff. Man, isn't that a great song? He Reigns. He Reigns. And that's that's good news because, listen, man, we live in a fallen, broken world, and we experience things in this life that uh, we just don't understand sometimes. We can't explain, uh, again, this past week, another uh, another crazy event happened and we just uh man just crazy but but in the midst of all that man we just give glory to god because he reigns right he reigns and he's sovereign he's in control and uh man we just need to put our hope in him and our trust in him uh he is good we just want to welcome you guys this morning to chester christian church i'm so glad you're here we are on the downhill slide of this uh start, summer start, summer summer sermon series uh, it's life on mission. And so we have uh, been talking about uh, this question, um, man, what's our purpose here? What's, what's our mission here uh, while we're here on this earth? And I just want to encourage you, if you've been here and if you've uh, missed a week or two, you can go online to our website and you can listen to the sermons. We've downloaded those and you can listen to those if you've missed the previous week. Uh, I would encourage you to do that. Also, uh, this Life on Mission, there's a DVD, um, small group study with it, and I've encouraged small group leaders, when you guys kick back up in the fall, if you want to go through that in six weeks, it's good stuff, I would encourage you to do that as well. Um, and if you're not in a small group and you want to go through it, then just see me and we can get the material for you and you can start a group yourself and that would be great. Uh, we'd love for you to do that because I just really believe that this this series, man, have you guys enjoyed this series so far? Yeah? You don't sound too convincing, but that's all right. I know it's really, get some more coffee in you. Um, but it's, it's been great, man. I've been encouraged, and I just, I believe that, man, this is just going to be a, a, a great series as we wrap this up in the next few weeks, and uh, I'm excited about what God is going to do in, in our church and in us and in this community. Um, and so, like I said, the question we've been asking throughout this is, what's my purpose? What am I here for? Mark Twain said, the two most important days in our life are the day that you are born and the day that you figure out why. Because we're not here just to suck up oxygen, we're not here just to take up space, but we have a purpose, we have a mission. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, that for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing, but it is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. And that's important, that's key, because listen, there's nobody here that can earn their salvation, there's nothing we can do for God, we don't come to God and we don't bring things to God, right, we come empty, there's nothing we have to offer to God. Okay, so it's, it's salvation by grace alone, and then he continues in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so what he's saying is, is we've been saved from something. We've been saved from, from death. We've been saved from sin. Uh, we've been rescued from those things. We've been saved from something for something. God has saved us for a Purpose and not just a, the purpose of gathering together like this in church. Uh, although this is great and this is uh, this is good, uh, but man, we have a purpose. We have a, a mission. Uh, J- Jesus prayed in John seventeen eight that as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them, His disciples, as you and me into the world. Jesus said in Luke nineteen ten that His mission was to seek and to save the lost. Right? So people who are far from God, people who need to be, be brought close to God in order to experience real relationship with Him, that, that's our purpose, that's our mission. This was His purpose, this was His followers' mission. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon on you, and you will be my witnesses. Right? That's the key word, witnesses. In Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And our Jerusalem is right here in Chester. It's where you live, it's the people you you live around, it's, it's people you work with, it's where you shop at the grocery store. The Apostle Paul said this in, in Acts 20, 24, he said, The most important thing in my life is that I complete my mission, the work that the Lord Jesus gave me to do, to tell people about the good news of God's grace. Right, so this is, this is our mission, this is our purpose, this is what we've been saying for the last four weeks now, and this is our one job, right, he gave us one job to be a witness I don't know if you guys have ever seen those one job uh, pictures before. Uh, You know what I'm talking about? I'm going to show you a few here. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm going to show you a few. And then you can go out later and you can Google these one jobs. So this person had one job, right? Turn left. Turn left. He's turning right. He got the area pointing right. So one job, right? The next one, you had one job. Get the handrail right. You see that? (laughs) That's not going to work out too well, is it? What happened there? The next one, you had one job, midfield logo, look at where the midfield is, you guys see that, (laughs) oh man, that's good, that's good, Uh, go to the next one, you had one job, (laughs) spell school right, that person needs to go back to school and learn how to spell school, cool, anyways, you had one job, you had one job. and the point is, Jesus, listen, couldn't have made it clear, right? You've got, you've got one job. You are to be salt in the world. You are to be a light that pushes back the darkness. He says, you are to be my witnesses. We are to uh, help connect people to a God that is just passionately pursuing after them and who loves them. Listen to me, man, when we talk about that, that, that can sound overwhelming, right? And how do we accomplish this task of being a witness for Jesus? And so for the last few weeks, we've kind of broken it down into little action steps. And so week one, man, we simply said, uh, just identify who? One person that you know of, whether it be a family member, whether it be a coworker, worker uh, somebody that you know that is far away from God, uh, that needs to hear the good news or needs for God to just draw them to the cross. And we've encouraged you to, uh, to pray Pray for that one person. Pray, pray for that family member. And so I want to just mention this to you real quick. On July 31st, it's the fifth Sunday, and we are going to be doing one service that Sunday. Uh, just remember that, 1030 service. You guys remember that, me saying that a couple weeks ago? And so we're going to do one service, but then that night we're going to come back and we're going to end with a worship service, uh, about an hour-long worship service. Jordan's coming back. If you guys remember Jordan, she's coming back to do that. But we are going to do a prayer, 24 hours of prayer, uh, that weekend is starting on Saturday, July 30th, and it's going to end on 5 o'clock when we meet here to worship on the 31st. We're going to end it with a worship service. And so you can go out into the lobby after this service, and you can sign up uh, for a time slot. There are 30-minute slots, or you can sign up for an hour. I've already signed up for the first one, and so does Jennifer Spragans. And so there's a, there's a black Sharpie out there. You can fill that out. And I just want to encourage you, man, as you do this, it's, it's not. don't think that you have to... Uh, to, like, go in your prayer closet. And you can do that, by all means. Go in your prayer closet. But you don't have to do that, okay? We're going to give you some prayer points. You're going to be praying for the salvation of people. We're going to be praying for our community. We'll be praying for other churches in our community. We'll be praying for our nation. And those are the things we'll be praying for. And I just want to encourage you that, man, use your family. Uh, if you're sitting around the dinner table, if you sign up, whatever, uh, it do not have to be, like, this bow our head and, and like, you just, just, just talk with each other and pray. You know, hey, just pray for our neighbor, Let's, and just pray as you go about doing things, okay? So don't, don't be discouraged, don't think, well, I ain't got time to do that, I've got this going on. Listen, if you're traveling, whatever you do, you can sign up and you can still pray, okay? We're going to come back that night, and we're going to uh, worship, and it's going to be a great thing. You guys excited? All right, well, I want to see some names on that board then, I want to see you back to 31st, all right? Uh, so, so we said that was week one, man, and then the second we said connect, right? We want to connect with those individuals. Build a relationship, right? This is, the whole premise of this life on mission is about relationship, okay? We want to build a relationship with these people. Invite them to lunch, have them over for dinner, start a fire in your backyard. We just want to connect with those individuals. And then last week, we talked about the importance of serving, right? Serving as Jesus served. It's, it's not about me. It's not about what I want, uh, but it's about showing people that we genuinely care for their needs, right? We, we want to step in that gap. We want to engage We want to show compassion, uh, putting other people's needs before our our needs. And so today, man, we're going to continue to build on that. And if we want to live a life on mission, uh, when we are connecting and we're building those relationships uh, and serving others, uh, God is going to open up a window of opportunity for us to share. To share. Which means at some point, we're probably going to have to open our mouth and talk about God. To be able to talk about the reason for... Are serving, right? The reason for our lives, the person who is in us and working through us and changes us the way we think and, and do things. Because the one that they ultimately need to connect with is not us. The, the one that they, they ultimately need to be served by is not us, but it's Jesus. Amen? And what God has for people, listen to me, what God has for people is good. Listen, God is good. We, we sat at the table this past week, and, and, and I was with my oldest son, Jude, and I said, listen, buddy, I said, God is good. God is good regardless of what's going on in our life, man. I said, let's just talk about some of the things, that, that, that the reason why God is good. And so we, we talked about some things, and I said, man, you woke up this morning. I said, you're, you're breathing. I said, you got oxygen in your lungs. I said, God is good. You know, I said, my son, for somewhat, whatever reason, he's got this obsession with squirrels now. You know, what I'm saying he loves squirrels. Every time he sees a squirrel, he thinks well, I want to go outside and meet the squirrel. Uh, he asked, uh, he asked, he asked my wife Robin. He said, "Will there be squirrels in heaven?" And Robin's like, "Absolutely." And uh, and he's like, "Will that squirrel will be in heaven?" She said, "I don't know about that squirrel." And then he said, "Well, if we take a picture of Jesus outside and show it to him, <laughs> would he, would that squirrel be in heaven?" I don't know, maybe I don't know. But uh, but but what I say all that to say this I say listen buddy I said you're. Your excitement about squirrels, you know, the joy that you get when you see squirrels, I said, I said, who do you think that that, that joy comes from? It comes from God because God created these things and you enjoy them. And when you enjoy them, man, it glorifies God. And and so God is good. And so, man, just listen, God has, he, he has, what he has for people is good. And there are people, listen to me, there are people who run from God, who think that God doesn't like them or doesn't love them. They feel like, man, they're out of, out of the reach of God. And they think there's no way that God could ever, ever forgive me for what I've done. And there are people, man, I know you've met people like this. There are people who are just desperately, desperately searching for hope in this life, looking for, for true joy and satisfaction. And, they, and the problem is, man, they just continue to fill those things with, with things that just aren't going to bring them that true joy and satisfaction. And we have the best news in the world for those people. And yet, this is the biggest challenge for us as Christians, right? This is the paradox of the Christian faith, faith, because we have the best news in the world, and yet, it's one of the hardest things to share. Would you agree? Right? I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, man, I, I love people. I talk to people all the time, and I have no issues talking to people about sports. So I can meet somebody, a stranger, and, uh, man, we, gotta, we make a connection through sports, and, uh, man, I have no problem talking about sports or, or whatever, talking about Steelers, the college football, whatever, I find myself getting passionate about those things. But when it comes to, to sharing my faith, right, it's, it's a challenge, right? It's, just, it's like, man, I've got to muster up the courage to do this. Would you guys agree with me? And the reality is if we connect with people and we build those relationships and we serve them in a way that Jesus serves us, but we never open up our mouth and mention the name of Jesus, then there's this gap, right? There's this gap between them and Jesus, and our purpose, our one job is to fill that gap, to help them connect the dots, to introduce them to uh, the Savior of the universe. Listen to what the Apostle Paul writes here in Romans chapter 10. It's going to be on the screen for you. Verses 9 through 14, he says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's good news, right? For the heart Uh, for, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? How are they to hear without someone preaching, and how are they to preach unless they are sent? Now, listen. We can we can take that. And we can think. Well, I'm not a preacher, right? So I'm 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 off the hook. Listen, man. We are we are all royal. We are a royal priesthood. That's what Peter says. And we all uh, we all have a, a purpose, a mission, and so we are a vital link in the change change between God's heart and someone else's heart for them to believe. Now, I want to go ahead and and say up front two things to to take the pressure off of you, okay? It's not our job to change people's hearts, okay? We can't change people's hearts. We're not in the heart-changing business, all right? Our job is simply to be a witness. The Holy Spirit does the rest. Secondly, my goal for you today is not to, to leave this place feeling guilty or shame because you're not doing this. I never, never want to stand up here. I never want to guilt you or shame you into doing something because, listen to me, guilt is a horrible, horrible motivator. And I want to say this up front. I realize that not everyone here has the spiritual gift of evangelism, right? I mean, listen, there are a few people who have the gift of evangelism who can walk up to a total stranger they've never met before and within five minutes, man, they've shared the gospel with them, right? And it's like, how do you do that, right? I mean, they've they got this gift. And, I can, and like I said, man, I love people. I talk to people all the time. And I can tell you there's probably, uh, I can think of a half a dozen times in my life where I've had instances where I've shared the gospel with somebody that I just met. I, one of those times was uh, a few years back, we were at a youth minister's conference in Florida, and we were leaving. I was with about four or five other youth ministers. We were in a church van, and we were driving back. We had just crossed the Florida-Georgia line, and we saw this hitchhiker, and we was like, hey, let's pick this guy up. And uh, so we picked this guy up, and, and this guy knew what he was getting into because, listen, he saw the church name on the van, right? And he's getting in the church van with like four or five other ministers. And uh, so he's like, hey, where you need to go? And he said, first he said the next truck stop, which is like, you know, a few miles up the road. So, okay, no problem. So, of course, he's going to hear about Jesus. So we get to the truck stop, like, hey, man, do you want to stop here? He's like, nah, take me on. We ended up traveling seven hours with this dude all the way up to Virginia. And he got a lot of Jesus. (laughs) I was going to tell you, he got a lot of Jesus. Another instance, man, was just a couple of years ago. I was flying from Richmond to Louisville, and I had boarded a plane, and I got on the plane, and I sat beside this young lady named Jasmine. And I could tell when I sat down beside this young lady, man, that she was nervous, and she was like, just, you know, I could tell she was uneasy about things. And so I sat down, and uh, just, I mean, a couple of minutes had passed, and she looked over at me, and she said, man, I hope I don't throw up in your lap. (laughs) And I'm going to tell you, man, that's just a perfect segue into Jesus right there, okay? And <laughs> so for the next two hours, man, that's, that's what we talked about. Uh, and it was a great, great thing. She lives here in and I've seen her before. But, um, but, but here's my point. Listen to me. We, we may not have the gift of evangelism, but as followers of Jesus, we all have a spiritual gift, okay? And I just want to encourage you, man. We, we did a series a couple months ago, Community and if you have not taken advantage of this spiritual gift assessment uh, test, uh, well, you can pick one up at the information desk, and it's going to help you out. If you're like, man, I don't know what my spiritual gift is, then I would encourage you, man, to pick one of those things up. If you have questions about it, man, we would love to sit down with you and talk about that and what that means. But, but here, here's what I want you to know, okay, is you, you and I have been uniquely wired, uniquely placed for unique opportunities. Okay, you and I have been uniquely wired and uniquely placed for unique opportunities. And listen, we can use our gifts to connect. Right, we, we use our gifts to build up the church. We use our gifts to serve in the church. But We can use our gifts also to build relationships, to serve others. And it's through our gifts that we have opportunities to share our faith with other people. Right, it's once you've made that connection with someone and you're in a relationship with them that you can then share. So, so for example, right, if you have the gift of hospitality... And then you use that gift to open up your home and you connect with others. You invite people in. Right? Host a supper club and invite some people from your neighborhood. Right? And, and invite, uh, start a community potluck in your neighborhood. Just it, open up your home and connect. Use that gift. If, if your gift is acts of mercy, man, you just show compassion to your neighbors. Right? Show them that you care. Listen to them when they talk. If your spiritual gift is service, then use your gift to serve your unchurched friends. You see, and the point is we use our gift in a way, man, to build that relationship. And then as we build that relationship, there's going to be opportunities. God's going to open up a window of opportunity for you to be able to share your faith with the individual. And I know what you're thinking, but Aaron, what if I say something dumb? Or what if I say something that's wrong? What if they ask me a question that, that I don't have the answer for? Well, well, let me help you out with this, okay? All you need to do is to share your story. And if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, you have a story. Right? Maybe your story is that God rescued you from a life of addiction and drugs and hell raising. And that's great, man. If that's your story, that's great. Or maybe your story is just simply, man, I went to church all my life. I was a very religious person. I always thought that being a Christian meant following rules. It was about external behavior. And then one day... You know, God opened my eyes to the gospel, and it freed me up from that. Instead of being about religion, it became about relationship. You see, everybody has a story. And the great part is, is we don't have to embellish our story. We don't have to uh, hide our mistakes or our faults because, listen, you and I are not the hero of the story, right? When we share our stories, we're not the hero of it because God is the hero. He is the one who has rescued us and saved us. You just need to be real because your everyday story will, will relate to their everyday life. And it will help show them that they too need the grace of God that you found. Right? Just, just your story. You just need to share it. That's the one you've got. 1 Peter 3.15 says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Always be prepared. Always be ready. To give an answer. yeah, I, I find that, man, if I start the day off and I just ask God to, to, to give me wisdom and to kind of direct my path and make me aware throughout the day that I'm more prepared when things come up like that throughout the day as to when I don't do that, I find myself missing opportunities. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before or not, but that, that's the way it is with me. So let's look at John. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up the, the book of John. I'm going to share this, this story real quick with you, John chapter 9, it's one of my favorite stories. It's about the man who was born blind, and I hope this is going to encourage you this morning. John chapter 9, it's the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's one of the four Gospels. You guys doing all right? Okay. By the way, we're, we're doing life on mission, summer shifts. It's awesome. I love it. Right? All right. So, John chapter 9, starting here, this is what he says, verse 1. It says, as he, Jesus, passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, which means teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents? Now, you have to remember, back in that day, the prevailing thought was, is it because this man was born? with a deficiency or a defect that, that the reason was because of a sin, his previous you know, sin in his life or his parents' sin. And Jesus says, hey, that's, that's, not, that's not the case. He says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jump down to verse 6. says, having said these things, I love this, Jesus spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Right, that's, that's pretty gross, but Jesus did this. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said, To him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means "sent." So he went and washed, and he came back seeing. I love this, right? So this man who had been born blind, his whole his whole life he's been blind, which meant that he would have been regularly sitting at the gate begging as people passed by, is now for the first time able to see in his life. I mean, this is a big life change for this guy, right? His eyes have been opened. And I want you to notice in the next few verses that this man creates a buzz around town, right? People are talking. People are, like, seeing this guy. And they're like, man, is that the same guy that used to sit at the gate and beg? That, that sure looks like that guy, but that guy was blind. This guy, this guy can see. That, that can't be that guy, right? So this guy's creating a buzz, right? He's like, this, this does look like this, right? It does look like this guy. Now, at this point, the blind man has a choice to make, right? This blind man, he can, he can avoid mentioning God and engaging in any spiritual conversation, and say, yeah, you guys are right, man. You got me confused with somebody else. I don't know who you're talking about. Or he can say, yes, my life has been changed because of what God has done for me. And I want you to notice for me, man, that we are like this blind man. Listen, Jesus has done something in your life. He has blessed you. He has opened your eyes in a lot of ways. Listen, he has brought peace to you in the midst of life's crazy storms. He has given you a sense of belonging. He has given you confidence in your identity in Christ. And at some point, man, somebody is going to come to you and say, hey, don't you go to that church down the road? Or, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Or, hey, I'm I'm really going through a tough time right now, and, and I'm hurting. Do you know of any place, man, I can just get help with my marriage or my addiction or with my kids? And when you've built a relationship with those individuals and they begin to ask those questions, and you can say, yeah, yeah, I, you know, I can't really explain why things happen the way they do. I can't explain why you're going through this. But listen, I know that God is real in my life. I know that God is sovereign and he reigns. I know that God has been faithful and he gives me peace that I can't explain. Or we can say, you know, I, I don't have it all figured out, man, I'm not perfect I still have issues, man. I still mess up, but listen, God loves me and He's working on my life. Or we can simply say, hey, hey can, I, can I just pray with you in this situation? You, you wouldn't just believe how, how much that would open up somebody just for you to offer to pray with them. And the man in our passage, he replies, he says, man, he's like, I am the man. I imagine this guy walking, he's like, I'm the man. Yeah, I am the man. I was blind. And he asked, he said, how were your eyes opened? And he he answers, he says, the man called Jesus, made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. Listen, this is it. That's his answer, right? He didn't respond with some deep theological answer. He simply said, man, Jesus put mud in my eyes and now I can see. And everybody can tell their version of that story. Right? Just give witness to what has happened in your life. And so I love this, man. The crowd comes back to the man, and they want to know where Jesus is. And, and I love his response. You ready? He, says, he says, I don't know. I don't know where Jesus is at. And let, let me tell you something. That's part of our story. I know sometimes, man, our fear is, is that what if somebody asks me a question that I don't know, right? What, what if they ask me a question like, man, did Adam have a belly button? <sighs> I don't know. Well, were there woodpeckers on the ark? Think about that. How would that work? Right? I, I don't know. I don't know. Why is Chick-fil-A closed on Sunday? Right? Have you guys ever, like, left church be like, man, I want some Chick-fil-A, and they're like, oh, they're closed. <laughs> Sunday night's the worst, right? Sunday night, you're like, man, I want some chicken. And like, I can't get it. Right? And listen, these, these, are, these are tough questions, and there are always going to be people, listen to me, there are always going to be people who, who are avoiding God, getting to their hearts. Who are going to ask these tough questions that you might not be able to answer? So listen, it's okay for you to say, "I don't know." It's okay. We don't have to have all the answers. So, so practice this with me. Just, I want, to just, I want to hear you say, "I don't know." Okay, you ready? Three little words. You ready? All right, you guys are good. Excellent, excellent. So that's. Listen, that's part of our story. I mean, that's why we need smart people. That's why we need theologians who are, who are good at answering those types of questions. But, but everyone, listen to me, everyone is wired. Uh, but not everyone is wired that way. But everybody does have a story to tell. Right? Everybody does have a story to tell. And so we can say, I don't know sometimes. And so now this, this, they bring the guy to the Pharisees, and I love this, man. The religious leaders, the church people all right, that we've been calling these guys. And listen, they're not too happy. You know why they're not happy about this? Because down in, I think it's verse 14, uh, the, the passage gives us a little hint about what day this was, and this was the Sabbath day. And you want to know why Jesus spit on the ground and made mud? Because in the Old Testament law, according to the Pharisees, that was considered work. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. See, Jesus Jesus could have walked up to the guy and he could have said, man, you're healed. Right? Jesus could have done that. But Jesus intentionally, Jesus does, does, Jesus does nothing haphazardly, okay? Jesus knew that it was Sabbath day. He knew that his time was drawing near to go to the cross. And he's like, you know what? I'm going I'm to make these Pharisees mad. So Jesus spits on the ground and he makes mud and it was considered work. And they're mad, man. They continue to grill this poor guy with question after question. They're like, they, they say things like, man, we know Jesus isn't from God. He's a sinner because he's working on the Sabbath. He couldn't have done this. And down in verse 24, they tell this guy, they say, give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. In other words, we don't believe your garbage. And I love this man's response. You ready? He says, he looks at the Pharisees, he says, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. Right? There's that, I do not know. But one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. See, that's it. That's his story. Listen to me. You won't have all the answers, but you can say, you know what? Here's what I know about me. This is where I was. And God found me. And this is where I am today. Just tell your story. Right, you, you and I have been uniquely wired and uniquely placed for unique opportunities. I want you to go back to verse 3 in in John chapter 9 real quick, and I want you to notice what Jesus says. Right? they're asking, you know, who's sinned, this man or his parents? And this is what Jesus says, right? Remember, you've been uniquely wired, uniquely placed for unique opportunities, and this is what Jesus says about this man born blind. He says, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Listen, God have been preparing this man all of his life for these events and him telling them in a way that would point people to Jesus. You've got a story. And this morning I want to read for you Mary Bridgman's story. Mary Bridgman is a member of our church here. She's been coming. Her and her husband James have been coming for a few, a couple years, a few years, right? Mary Mary's here this morning. Uh, once I read this story, and you guys, if you guys have never heard this before, and you guys, like, see Mary, you can be like, what? That's crazy. But I want you to stand up, Mary. Everybody look at me. Just stand up, Mary. This is Mary Bridgman here. She, her and James lead our newborns in need ministry. that meets here on Saturdays. And, uh, and this, is, this is her story. You ready? It says, in 1981, I had grown tired of living. I was caught in an abusive marriage of 20 years and could see no way out. I relied on alcohol and tranquilizers to get through each day. I'd crossed over that invisible line, that line between social drinks and excessive drinking. The line has no warning. You can't see it, feel it, or sense it in any way. Usually someone has to point it out to you. I had become addicted. I had been raised in a Christian home when I believed in God, but I didn't really believe that he loved me. How could he, with all my faults? I remember driving to work one night, tears streaming down my face, talking to God. I told him, man, if there is such a thing as a God in heaven, you are going to have to show me a way out of this mess. Immediately, things got worse. I got pulled over for a DUI and taken to jail. So Mary spent a night in jail, right? Can you believe that? Um, And this caused me to take a cold, hard look at myself. I knew this was a result of prayer. I got out of my abusive relationship. I went through a 30-day rehab, and I learned I not only needed faith in God, but to trust him for the outcome of whatever happens to me. A post in the rehab center said it all. It read, Lord, help me to remember that nothing is going to happen to me today that you and I can't handle together. He's sovereign. I'm grateful to say that after 34 years, I'm still alcohol and drug free. Praise the Lord. I lived the next 20 years alone, then met James, her husband. I feel truly blessed with a great God. I went from no hope, no dreams, no goals to hang on, anything is possible. I learned to face my greatest fears with God's help. Things like being left on an island, not knowing anyone, no money, not knowing what to do. Things like going through a quadruple bypass surgery. She says, peace came over me like I'd never known, a peace beyond all understanding. I knew that whatever happened, I was in his hands. I never dreamed that life could be so sweet. That's Mary's story. It's written down on, on a piece of paper here. And what I want to encourage you with is is you have a story. And I just want to invite you, man, to take a moment today or just do it soon. This is our action step for today, man. Is just write down your story. Write down a paragraph. Write down a sentence or two. You've got a program when you walked in this morning. Use the notes section to write down your story. And then memorize that story. So the next time that God opens up a window of opportunity with somebody that you've connected with or you've built a relationship with, then you can say, you know what, this is, this is my story. This is what God has done for me in my life. Right, you, 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 you have experienced things in your life that are unique to you. So we need to prepare, practice, and share our story. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your grace in our life. God, I thank you that you love us. And Father, I just pray... Uh, this morning God that you would just continue to move in this place God if there are individuals here that man they feel far from God they uh, man they feel like that, that God couldn't that you couldn't forgive them or that they uh, that you there's no way that you could ever love them God I just wants you to just encourage them this morning God and I pray that they would just step forward this morning and just uh, man receive prayer or, or receive salvation God or whatever they need to do father I uh, I thank you God that you have rescued us and we all have a story father we can share that story we're going to take uh, a moment here every single week at Chester Christian Church